The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their field, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter is your forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and I promised you a special show all throughout this coming year, and I'm beginning today sitting here with Savannah Graybill, who is a skeleton Olympic athlete. She's on her way to the Olympics coming up, and we are here in the Olympic Training Center in Lake Plaza. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about what it is that got you to this place. I mean, this is not an ordinary situation to be sitting here today in this training room and having you here getting ready to compete for the Olympic Games upcoming in the next few years. It's been a pretty crazy journey and a path to get to here. It's not one that I expected to be on, um, but it's been exciting along the way, and it's hopefully we'll make this dream come into fruition. Now you have a really interesting story because you never dreamed of exactly being a skeleton athlete. You started out as a field hockey player, is that correct? Yes, it is. I always thought that I would go, I always had this dream that I would go to compete in the Olympics, and I always thought field hockey would be that sport. It's the one that I'm most passionate about. Uh, I went on to play Division I uh, field hockey at American University, and so I thought that that was, that was going to be my sure shot. Um, by the time I hit my senior year, I was doing a lot of the right things, but I had some hip injuries and hip issues going on that just were making it very difficult for me to get through that training. Uh, so, you know, come December, January, I, I gave up that dream. I realized it wasn't, you know, in the cards. And about a week later, my strength and conditioning coach got an email from a Bob's letter, and uh, she was recruiting brakemen. And I fit the size and, and you know, the, the speed that they were looking for, and would I be interested in trying out. And so from a broadcast journalism side, uh, that's my, that was my major in college, I thought, well, at least it's a good story if I you know, go up and, and see what it takes. But um, on the other hand, I thought to myself, well, maybe that's my sign that I'm not supposed to give up that Olympic dream. Maybe I'm just supposed to find a different avenue in which to pursue it. So I came up and did you know, all of the testing and, and everything like that and was actually better suited size-wise for skeleton. We'll get into what skeleton is versus bobsled. But first, I really want to ask you, Going back to your dream, when do you remember thinking that you would try out for the Olympics or strive to be in the Olympics? When was that? 
When I was a kid, the Olympics were always on in our house. If it was on, you know, if it was, you know, one of the summer or winter Olympic year, we would be down in front of the television and that's what we would watch at night. You know, that's what was put on. And my parents made sure to instill in us that, you know, look at these athletes. They worked very hard to get here. This is the pinnacle of their sport. You know, they, they had a dream and they went for it. And so I remember watching, watching opening ceremonies and just like taking a minute, even as a kid in like middle school, I can remember watching that and feeling just so inspired and just wanting to I wanted to know what that feeling was like to walk into opening ceremonies and to it just it's very hard to put into words but um it was in your soul it was very much so so were you in a household that espoused discipline were you in a household that that had a kind of work ethic that would lead you to this place for sure. So my um, dad is a uh, small business owner. My mom is a high school teacher. And so they have always worked very, very hard to, to get where they need to be and to do what they need to do. Um, as kids, we were never pushed into doing anything, you know, athletically or extracurricular wise, as much as, you know, they were going to put us in something. And if we liked it, we'd continue. And if we didn't, well, we had to have a pretty good reason as to why we didn't like it. But, um, you know, they, they, they set us into those those sports and let us go from there. And I think that really helped letting us explore and figure out what we liked. Um, and from there, if we wanted to make a team, well, great. What are you going to do to do to get there? You know, they pushed us to, you know, they were going to be there to help us no matter what. And they would help us brainstorm those ideas. They certainly weren't going to, to do the work for us, but they would do anything in their power to help us go from there. And they always inspired us to achieve more. And, you know, they would love us no matter what, what we did. But um, they, they definitely made sure that we had every opportunity to, to pursue those outlets. It seems to me with most Olympic athletes that for those that really strive to get there and follow through and even metal they have a support system they have a team behind them can you speak to that a little bit i can so it's it really does take a village to get an athlete to the olympic games um even if you just look at um from a mental support issue you know as you start getting closer in the lead up there's that anxiety that that creeps in and that self-doubt and you know they're really there to keep you grounded and keep you in the game um but even from that standpoint or for from a financial standpoint getting started and being to afford to do that um you can't do it alone i know very few athletes i don't know of any athletes that if you would go and talk to them and hey did you you do this on your own that they could say that they've they've had some sort of support system in place from them to help them to get there and that's very very important it's expensive to do this isn't it i mean it's it's basically like going to college again in a sense and you and you've been to college you have a journalism degree right so you you're looking at a career after this as well and looking into maybe this being even uh not only a marker for your soul but a stepping stone to your next Unfoldment, whatever that would be, once your career in the Olympics is is passed, for sure. It's it's one of those things that you go through, and um, you know, you you spend the money to do this sport, and and you try and get funded and do what you can, and you definitely need that support from others because it's especially for us, it's not like you know field hockey where say I. I can outfit myself for maybe 500 bucks between the stick and the turf shoes and such. Um, you know, our equipment costs as much as a car, and it, it's very expensive to ship it and, and do that. Um, but you, find you, you cover all that? You have to pay for all the shipping to every venue and all the places you practice and, and then compete? Until you make the World Cup team, um, you are self-funded. So wow. I've had many years where I've 
purchase my own equipment and purchase my own travel and lodging. And, you know, that's hard when you're you're competing for those six months, but it also means that you're not working for those six months. So you basically have six months during our summer, which is our off season, to try and make as much money as you can and to try and afford all of that travel as well as affording the everyday living expenses and bills. You know, I'm very fortunate that they've been able to um, fund my housing at the Olympic Training Center. So that takes that bill away from me. But I have plenty of teammates that that is not the case, that they're paying rent year round or they're you know, trying to find ways to make ends meet. Um, that's dedication, really. I mean, that that's a commitment no matter what, essentially. That's putting it all on the line, isn't it? It is. And it's it's one of those things that if you were to talk to any of any of my other teammates on the team, um, they would say the same, that they've, they have this dream, they have this passion. And to have the opportunity to do so, I don't think a lot of people can say that for dreams and goals that they might have, that it's it's out of reach, but it's also they've never had the chance to pursue it. And I don't think that at the end of the day, knowing the opportunities that I've had, to have the opportunity to even pursue this dream, I would regret it if I would have, wouldn't have taken it. I would, I don't know what I would have done, and I, I can't sit. It doesn't sit well with me to think about you. Know, you had this opportunity per, to pursue it, and you didn't. So I've got to see that. Yeah, it's in your soul. Like I said, it's it's part of you, and. You know, we'll, we'll come back and speak about what it takes mentally as the discipline of that. But when you're speaking about all the funding you have to do, are you allowed to do a GoFundMe or things like that where people can sponsor you and support you in this effort and follow along? For sure. We're allowed to go and um, do, you know, GoFundMe or we use a platform called RallyMe um, for our federation. You can, I've done fundraisers, I seek sponsors, you can do all of that. Um, it's a very difficult undertaking to do and a very time consuming undertaking to do. Um, and I know, at least on my end, I think the hard part I have with fundraising and seeking out sponsors is, you know, on one hand, I, I need the help and I need, need that financial um, aid, but it's also hard to to like ask for money from other people when this is this is my dream this they you know this is my choice this is my my decision and nobody else should be responsible for that but me but on the same token it's but we get inspired by people like you (laughs) well that's very very um a very nice thing to say and and i appreciate that but i think too it's you know, I you can get inspired by many things, and just you know, watching my nephew walk for the first time and, and things like that. It's it's very easy to find inspiration in those stories and in those small moments too. Um, so, so if someone did want to contribute to your funding, how could they do that now? Um, they can always feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm on all sorts of social media outlets. Um, they can go through our federation and, and find a way. Um, we have an athlete training fund that you can donate as well. Um, Is there an address for that or a website or something? If you go to our website for the USBSF or USABS, I guess it is now. Um, and even my my contact information is um, throughout social media. You reach out to me and I can give you different ways in which to um, contact me for that. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, I know that there's discipline and dedication. Every time we see the stories that are put up during the Olympics, you know, who these people are, what drives them, they always seem to come from small villages somewhere, and <laughs> especially the Winter Olympics. And then they've, you know, spent these four years. What's it like to be here in, in Lake Placid? You come from Pennsylvania, but what is it like to, to live here, train here, be here, hub here? There is such an Olympic history here, just considering that, you know, Lake Placid is such a small, small town, and they've held two Winter Olympics. They held the 1932 and the 1980, which obviously everyone remembers with the miracle on ice. So to be able to walk into that venue and just, 
like feel that space and feel that energy that that's you know that such a big event happened here is very very cool it's a big winter sports hub that everybody here during the winter is you know hiking snowshoeing skiing doing anything like that so there's such a cool history and the training center here really becomes your family between the staff and the other athletes you spend a lot of time with them so to have that um, you know support system inside of such a great training center in such a great region is very very cool it really is beautiful here as I drove up here today you're seeing all the leaves turn and it's just one of those very pristine places it seems almost like it's another world and it's it's quiet here the energy is quiet you can focus and I'm sure it takes quite a bit of focus day in and day out for what you're doing it does and that's one of the the perks and sometimes I hate to say downside um but you know training up here sometimes can feel feel very isolated just because we are very far out of the way we like to say that Lake Placid really is its own you know little snow globe um but on that same token you come up here and that's what you live eat and breathe you know that's that you come here and you're here for training and there are no distractions and you go into town and you see the Olympic rings or you go past the horseshoe grounds and you see the Olympic flame where that used to stand and you're constantly reminded of what your goal is. And so in that regard, it's it's honestly one of the best places to train. Well, because you have to be so focused and without distraction, do you handle your own social media as you build up to this or do you have a team that helps you with that? I'm sure you're included in that, but do you do it yourself or do you have someone else help you while you train? I have control over all of my social media. I don't have an agent or anything like that. Um, it's hard when you're in a sport like ours that it's a very niche sport. It's not like we're the NFL and we're you know making millions or that you have that that presence even on television. You know there are very few times during the year that you can even watch our sport on TV. Um, so I am in control of all of that, and I think it's it's just better because I know the message that I'm trying to send and the story that I'm trying to tell. Um, Which and it, is. Just that, you know, I'm, I'm training very hard. I have this dream. Um, and just to make sure, too, that, you know, they're seeing the good, the bad, and, and, and the ugly. You know, I've had races where I've been on top of the world. I've, you know, had, I've won national championships. I've done all those things. And I've also lost a World Cup spot. I've also, you know, I've, I've, I've had all those things. And I think when you have somebody else in control, they can control that message. And that's not the point. You know, I'm very real throughout this journey as to what's going on. And I keep everybody in the loop. And, you know, I keep a blog that... Um, at pushfromthetop.wordpress.com um, that if anybody's interested in following that details all of that. And because I'm in control of that, I can let everybody know how I'm feeling. Amazing. You're listening to Savannah Graybill. And we're here at the Lake Placid Olympic Training Center. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Join Making Life Brighter Radio to help create a free roam sanctuary for elephants in South America. Finally, there's a working solution for elephants on our planet. People often say they don't know what to do to help animals that are in danger. But now you can team up with Making Life Brighter Radio and your host, Winifred Adams, to give elephants from Brazil and Argentina the freedom to roam in a wild sanctuary in a remote area of Brazil. Free to socialize, heal, and live the life they were always meant to live. Your contribution will build the fences and the elephant care center for the massive free roam sanctuary and set these sacred animals free. 
Donate today and mention you heard it on Making Life Brighter Radio. Listen to the amazing series live from Brazil, where Winifred speaks to CEO and board president of the Global Sanctuary for Elephants. To donate and for more information, log on to globalelephants.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. I'm Winifred Adams. I'm your host. And we are talking with Savannah Graybill, and I'm here at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York. And we are discovering what it's like to be inside the mind of an Olympic athlete and what it takes to be great. So, Savannah, I want to talk to you a little bit about your training schedule. And take us through a typical day or even week roughly of what it takes to train ongoing because you have to do this for years leading up to one event even though you have you know competitions in between so at least on the skeleton side our season runs from about october to march so during that time frame we are on ice we are training and doing that sort of thing um during the summer months so usually around this may one is usually the start of most athletes training protocols um through that october part we don't touch ice not one bit. So we're a little different from any other sport where you think, you know, field hockey per se. I could go out and practice for three hours a day, pretty much every day. Whether it's indoor, outdoor, I could do it. Skeleton, I get six months out of the year. I get maybe five days a week, if that, to train. And I get two minutes a day. And that's it. Our runs down any of the track run from about 50 seconds to a minute and change depending on the length of track around the world so you really have to focus and be ready to go and you can't really have um you can't you can't take any of your your runs and your trips down the track for granted because i get two a day so if i am not in it mentally on the first one half of my training for the day is gone how do you practice for something when you have such little repetition in that actual you know run how right. do you do that? So during the summer, we work hard physically as much as we can. So it's a lot of sprinting, a lot of um, weightlifting, like the Olympic lifts. Very, We're a very power and speed-oriented sport. Um, so we do all the work we can over the summer to work on our start. We push our sled at the start. Um, so it's, it's a lot of sprinting and, and getting used to that. Once October comes... You know, the reps that you get on ice is all is all that you get. So prior to that, we'll do mind runs. So if you were to go on, on the um, Internet, you can even on YouTube find video, point of view videos of individuals going down the track or you can watch any of the World Cup races um, on there as well. 
So we'll watch those. We'll do point of view. And we'll even go so far as, you know, in our dorm rooms, laying on our sled, laying there and imagining going down the track and practicing that and just making sure that you're sharp and that you're ready. And, you know, you know, you know, the intricacies of the track, the directions, the steers and everything that you need to know. You know, they say for people to be great, they need to dedicate 10% of their day to something. For example, people that are meditators and they want to achieve a certain degree of, of spiritual enlightenment, 10% is necessary. So two and a half hours a day of their day would be spent doing that at the minimum. When you lay there and you visualize this, how much of your time in a day or a week is, is put into that? I think definitely, well, definitely not quite that much just because that's a lot of mind runs. And for us, I think the, the crazy part is that you're always constantly on the edge when you're sliding of being out of control. So you want to be in control as much as you can, but the more control that you have, you know, the more things you can do, the more steering you can do, the, the slower in theory you can go. The sliders who can lay there and relax and just kind of let it all go, let it all go and let everything happen are generally the ones who are going to go the fastest. So we're constantly on that edge where you do all the mind runs that you can just to make sure that you know, you know, what what the timing, what you think the timing would be, what the feel would be, and to, to make sure that you definitely know the ins and outs, outs of that track um, as to curve direction and if this is a tough curve and a lot can go wrong, what are some backup plans you can have. But when it actually comes to sliding, you need to be as relaxed as possible on that sled. So the mind runs are good to a point, and then there comes a point where you – you jumble your brain and you've done too much and you're you just you need to take a deep breath and kind of forget it all and just let it happen. So I think for us it's it's less about knowing every single thing and every single possibility and as much as it is getting yourself to a mental state where you are completely in that moment and you know exactly what's going on but you are only focusing on that moment. You are not worried about what's ahead and you are not worried about what's just passed. And so to be able to have that like cognizant like you're zen you're in the moment yeah you're, it's very hard you're almost on automatic pilot by your training at that point and yes. so your your neurons are firing by just replay of, of what you've practiced this whole time as very opposed to so. you doing it right yeah I've, i found for me the best runs that i've had and the fastest runs that i've had are ones where i almost couldn't tell you what I had done on the run and what, you know, what steer did you do through this corner? Honestly, I don't know. And it's not out of ignorance. It's out of, I was able to shut this off and just let my body react and do what it knows how to do. And I can tell you what I think I did, but, um, those, those runs that you can just kind of shut that all off and just let it, let it be, which, I mean, you can find that in any sport. Think about yoga or meditation. You know, it's only at its best when you're you, you trust in yourself and you trust in the things that you've done and the preparation, but you just get go in and they tell you to do something and you just do it. And it just happens. And, and that's what training is about, is, is becoming almost training your body to be automated to that response system and, and it just does the work for you and you're holding the space almost. When you're going down a run, take us through one. Take me, take me on your sled with you down the run. Tell me what it's like. Okay. I think that's always the hardest thing to, to explain to, to people and to articulate. I think um, the hardest part is, you know, we have this, this push start. So you have, we have to push our sleds to start. We run bent over. And so you have to have a pretty good energy and, and be pretty ready and warmed up for that. Um, but the second you take that last step and you load onto your sled, you have to exhale and just let it all go because you can't have that same excitement um, as you start to slide because you're just 
you're, you're too wound up and you're too anxious. So, you know, standing at the starting line, I try and, and calm that down a little bit because I have a habit of being a little too overexcited and, and anxious. Um, but generally, personally, I, when I'm standing at the starting line waiting to go as the next person's going, I'm singing to myself because that is the only way that I cannot focus what on whatever song has come into my, to my <laughs> head. And usually once I'm at a track, whatever song that is, it's probably that same song the entire time because that's, that's what like focuses me into that track. Um, whether it's on the radio, whether it's some stupid jingle that I've heard, it's, that's what I'm singing over and over to try and not, don't mess up this corner. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, to try and just relax and take that deep breath. Um, but the second you get on the sled, um, once, once you've been sliding for a little bit and there's like less panic and you know, you've, you've had the experience, um, you get on and you don't even notice the speed that you pick up. It's just, it feels like one fluid, um, sort of trip down the track. It's nothing like sledding on the radio flyer sleds. It's nothing like, you know, anything I've really ever done before. And it's very hard to explain unless you've also tried it. Um, because you just, you feel kind of weightless until you're going through some of the corners that are high pressure and you feel that press down on you. What are you using? What, what parts of your body are you really using and how do you keep yourself in that position while you're doing it? Right. So for skeleton, we lay on our stomachs, um, on our sleds and go head first down the same track as, as bobsled and luge. Um, if you were to look underneath the sleds and take away the very small amount of padding that we have, you can see, um, there are spaces underneath that have like bars or plates that come out, um, at your shoulders and your knees. And so putting pressure into those articulates the sled um, and essentially steers that down the track. We can also use toes, um, you know, to straighten out and as a steering mechanism as well. But, you know, the more you have something dragging, the more friction that is and the slower you go. Um, but as you're steering down the track, it's just making sure that you're not putting in too much pressure and that you have to be relaxed because as you go through those G-forces and you feel that press down on you, you don't want to, like, you can't panic. How because fast are you going? Anywhere, the fastest tracks, you can hit about 90, 90 plus in like a Whistler. The slower tracks, I think maybe 70 to 75. Um, but like I said, as you get used to it, you don't, you don't really f feel that speed. You just feel a very, hopefully, because you haven't messed up anything, but very smooth trip down the track. And would you say that it seems like you need a lot of adrenaline initially speaking to do this you have to pump you know from stop to start the sprint you need a kick start into your body to do that then you almost have to shut it off mm -hmm. at will how, how do you regulate that because that's a real big rush and then almost a a flip to your nervous system as you right. do this i think the well the cool thing about our sport is obviously everyone here is very much an adrenaline junkie. If you're not into those sorts of things, you're probably not going to like this sport. Um, my favorite kind of mantra that my college field hockey coach had always, you know, preached to us was to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So even starting out this sport, you start, the, you stand at the top of the track, just slightly terrified. If we're honest, you know, you haven't had a whole lot of runs. You've crashed out of this corner, hit out of that one, and you have to stand there and know that this is what you're about to do, and you have to be okay with it. Head first. Head first, right? <laughs> and so, you know, and it's it really translates over into any facet of life. But you know, you get on and you turn that adrenaline on, and the second you get on the sled, you ex. For me, that cue is just to exhale. And to just instantly be at ease and to relax and to melt into the sled and to be comfortable knowing that I can handle whatever's going to come. And even those uncomfortable bits, I can handle that too. 
but you can't panic. You can't, you know, think about it. You know, it, it, it might not be, even in real life, you know, you go to do a training run and you don't want to do it and you're panicking because it's timed and it's this and it's that. Well, panicking isn't going to do anything. It's just going to make put you in a worse situation. If you can just exhale and take that deep breath and be comfortable with what's about to come, even though it might not be very comfortable, um, you'd be amazed at things that you can kind of do. What was it like the first time you ever did that? Terrifying. <laughs> um, I think it, it takes a while to learn to trust that. Um, you know, coming into college field hockey, I you know I had trained and I had done everything that I had done, but I've never played at that level before. So your first couple days of preseason are just you're like, wow, I'm I'm here, I'm at this level, I have this this expectation that I want to meet, I have the expectations of the coaches, and I don't want to let any of these girls down. Well, when you play like that, you play timid and you play afraid, you're not doing anyone a service, no one. But if you can just shake it off and know that you're going to make those mistakes and be comfortable in that situation and fake it till you make it, you know, I'm going to look comfortable and eventually my body's just going to have to be comfortable because that's the only option I'm giving it. Um, And so learning to kind of hone that in then definitely helped to now. Now, obviously, this is a completely different situation, hurling yourself off a mountain going that fast. And it it takes a little bit of a learning curve at first to, to, to calm the panic. But, I mean, the same concept applies. That's amazing. Wow. I'm, I'm humbled. And I'm imagining going down that head first. I, I can't fully grasp that yet, but uh, I'm, I'm going to work on that until we come back. So you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. We're here, here in the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York. And you can find us on Facebook at Making Life Brighter. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter consciousness columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at 
radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and you are listening to our very special series with Olympic athletes in training, whether they've qualified for the Olympic team or not yet. And I am sitting here, and I'm so honored and grateful to be here today at the Lake Placid Training Center with Savannah Graybill, who is a skeleton runner. I don't know what you call that. What do you say? A skeleton athlete. athlete. Okay, she's a she's a slider. That's a that's the proper word. She's a slider, and you know. I just have to say, it it takes some real um, fearless effort to be able to go down at 90 miles an hour head first on a tiny slide that's body hugging. I mean, that's incredible to me. (laughs) It's really amazing that you knew that you would be heading toward the Olympics as a child, somehow, some way. Never dreamed this would be the way, and then this is the way. And here you are, and you're fully into it. And without looking back, you have to keep going forward fully into it, because now you're on the path to qualifying. And then you're going to be on the path to the opening ceremonies. So what does that feel like to you? Tell us, as you see it from the athletic point of view, what it's like to look ahead like that. I think you summed it up pretty well there, that it's it's always constantly looking forward. You, know, you, can, you can't rest on your past results, and you can't rest on your past mistakes either um but you can learn from them so it's taking that you know minute or day after that event has happened to reflect on that but it's always moving forward and what you can do to be a better athlete to be a better person to be a better student to be to be better in anything in life because I really don't think I truly believe that you have to be very well-rounded and you know you can't be a great athlete but not be a great person um and you know people remember athletes that that are like that and you know, those aren't the ones that last very long or the ones that leave those legacies behind or the ones that inspire people. Um, and I, I would choose to be the latter for that. So um, it's just very much being dedicated and, you know, having that, that vision, being able to change and ebb and flow with that as, as circumstances change, but it's always looking forward. As you are moving toward qualifying, because everything's on the line and it's coming up, what does that feel like? It's very exciting and it's also very anxiety inducing just because, you know, you start off and it's, it's, you know, a quad, you have four years until the next game. And so when you first start off, it, it seems a little far away and it seems long and it, it doesn't you know, make you feel anything other than you, you want to go and you're going to train, and you're going to get there. But the closer it gets, the more exciting it is. And the more, um, you know, the fan base joins in and after Rio, the switch is now to us. Um, and so that's very exciting, but it also brings about that, you know, wow, you have a year, you know, to, you know, quote unquote, get your act together and, and make sure that you're ready for this. And so it, it sometimes causes you to question, you know, your training or am I doing all of the right things or is this program work or working or is this equipment the right choice? So as it as it gets exciting, it also ramps up the, the responsibility toward everything. Yeah, now, opposite of those feelings, too. Do you feel responsible to your fans? No. Yes. And I think that's always the the hardest part with this sport and even, you know, with fundraising, as we talked about earlier, is that. Um, it's not just my journey at this point. I've had a ton of support to get here. And so I want this opportunity as much as for me as I want it for them. I want to bring that medal home, and I want to have something tangible to actually share with them. Um, it's and sort of a, a, something tangible for your efforts. Yeah. And you're drawing up like a vortex of energy with them. As you go up, they come with you kind of thing. It's it's We get to participate 
as well. Yes, and I think that's the the thing is I just want something tangible to bring back and to hold for them. And as you said, to show those efforts. You know, I, you don't want all of that work to be for nothing. Um, and so I feel very responsible to them that you know I'm I'm telling them what I'm doing. I'm keeping them in the loop. I'm doing all the right things, and I just want them to be able to see that, you know, and to meet that goal and to say, look, this is what I wanted to achieve. And I did, you know, it was my hard work, but it was because of all of you as well. And so that, um, I think that's another aspect that really, as the games ramp up and the games get closer, that's almost what stresses me out more. (laughs) What, what, how much does humor play into this for you? How, what kind of sense of humor do you all have? I mean, I know you're very disciplined and it can be intense as you're getting closer and you're, you're performing and you're training, but how much does silliness come into play to keep you balanced? Very much so. I think if you were to go to the track um, on a training day and just to see everybody warm up, um, the first 20 minutes or so of getting there and getting your sled set up and, and everything like that, everybody's joking around, everybody's you know, talking about ice conditions, and you know, even if it looks like it's going to be a fast day, you, know, you can see some people will get nervous about that, and rightfully so, especially if it's a, a tougher track, but they'll be sitting there joking about it like, well, just you know, crank it up, let's, let's go do this. Um, but you'll even see people kicking a soccer ball around and just having a good time. Um, because you have to be disciplined and you have to be ready to go, but you also, you know, things are going to happen, and the only way to get through some of those things is just to laugh about it. You know, everybody's had a bad crash, and when it happens, it's not particularly fun, but, you know, a year later, you can at least laugh about it. And so... <laughs> you hope you can laugh about right? it, right? You hope you're still around to laugh about it, but... Oh um, <laughs> There's a probability. Your mother must be on edge all the time. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but, you know, she's, she's actually gotten to try skeleton. We had a friends and family event that we sent... Um, our friends and family down the track in a bobsled and a skeleton run. Um, and they, they get the appeal. They get why I love it. It's, it's a very freeing feeling getting to slide and, and feel that. Um, but, you know, they've gone through and they've hit walls, too, and it hurt. <laughs> and then later on, they're laughing about it, retelling this story to everybody else. So humor is a very big part of our sport because if you can't laugh about the mistakes or, you know, especially on World Cup where everything's televised, I've made some mistakes, you know, on television for the entire world to see and to replay back to them later on YouTube. And, you know, I can either dwell on it and let it affect me or I can, you know, yeah, well, I did this through that curve. So feel free to check it out in its infamy. So you can choose to laugh about it or you can choose to move on and laughter usually wins out. That's perfect because it speaks to the idea that you can't take it all too seriously even though in a way you're learning to train in a very serious mode. Now this is kind of an obscure question but what what part of your body is the strongest? Definitely like a lower chain so like legs like lower body quads yep glutes everything like that as a power speed sport um you know we need to be very strong and very explosive and so we do a lot of you know squats and power cleans and olympic lifts like that and even for you know the bobsled side of things they're pushing a 500 pound sled doesn't matter how fast you are if you're not strong enough to get that sled moving so i would definitely argue that for most of us it's probably a lower body and what about core your core in general i would think you have an absolutely perfect core based on having to be face down with your head up yeah doing that a lot of us are very strong core and very stable we're looking for a lot of stability in that point you know as long as you're completely stable you know you're good to go anything outside of that is is extra and will you know help propel you but for us pushing a sled on ice you've got one hand on the sled one hand you know moving and pushing bent over if you can't stabilize and hold yourself in that position you're not going to be fast so that's a big aspect for us do you all do yoga 
Some of us do, some of us don't. Um, I've been in and out of that practice, and I find when I do it, I am a much like better athlete just because from my standpoint, um, it teaches me to, to use the right muscles and to work on that mobility and flexibility because you know while we have to do all this weightlifting and be very strong, we also have to be very mobile. Running bent over, you know, hips have to be low, and to be able to hit some of those positions is very hard if you don't have that flexibility. I find that yoga teaches that but also teaches it with strength. And so instead of trying to muscle your way through through certain movements, if you can focus on the actual movement at what it's supposed to work, um, it's work, it's worked wonders for me. And I know there are several athletes on the team that do it as well that it has worked wonders for. Now, when we first walked in, you were talking about um, having just come from Calgary and you were missing your, your sports person after the fact and that affected you in the in-between for when you were training to competing. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about what they lend to you. Do you do chiropractic? These people come in and they do kind of sports rehab for you, if you will. Yeah. So at the training center here in Lake Placid, we are very lucky to have a very awesome sports med staff. Um, There are, um, we have ATCs, we have chiros, um, you know, those, uh, those individuals can also do rehab exercises as well. There are massage therapists on hand that we can, um, you know, pay for and, and stuff like that. But I think the big thing when it comes to training for us is it doesn't matter how hard you train if you can't stay injury free. And the thing that we found is just staying on top of those things. Don't wait for the injury to happen. If something's feeling a little wonky, get it checked out and go from there. Um, As you just mentioned, I just came back from Calgary. We had our push uh, championships there, which is a big push competition. In Calgary, they have a facility that has um, a a start ramp that is iced so we can actually practice our start. I was out there for a week ahead of time, and um, to be there without sports med doing this, you know, running and this movement that I haven't been practicing in this regard before is at altitude. Tough. Yes, and at altitude, <laughs> and just um, even the travel I found is very hard. Um, a very hard workout versus travel, I will feel more sore, and it will take me longer to come back from a full day of travel than it will a tough workout. So the travel to get out there, plus the put, you know, the pushing and the training, and not staying on top of those little things, led to big, you know, repercussions later. So um, we're very fortunate that we have those individuals here to help take care of us and maintain that. And when we're on tour on World Cup, we have those individuals with us as well. And. What do you think was the thing you needed and what were you missing in that event that that you said kind of hung you up? Mm-hmm. I think definitely fatigue was a big issue. I had overtrained the week before. Um, but I also think for me it was, it was a lot of those little things. And as soon as one thing gets locked up, it's not that you know, oh, my bicep hurts, so it's just that muscle. That affects everything. You know, if your bicep hurts, it can go down to your elbow, it can go down to your wrist, it can work its way into your shoulder. Well, now your shoulder's off. Well, that can affect your entire cervical spine. And so from there, that's just what kind of happened to me and what can happen to a lot of athletes when you're training and you don't have access to those things is it doesn't matter how hard you train, it's not going to be efficient nor are the times going to be there because you're not at 100%. Whether you feel great and those things are off or not, it's not going to be there. That's the minute difference, like the one one hundredth of a percent that makes the difference is we were speaking earlier about support and your team and the people around you, and I don't mean your your teammates, but rather the team that supports you in being all you can be. Mm-hmm. And that's vital. You know, we have that for all of our university athletes. We have state of the art 
everything for all of our universities and our football mm-hmm. teams and everything. But this is the Olympics. This is you get one shot after four years of training, and here it is, and you have to be spot on every time, even to qualify mm-hmm. to get there. And so it speaks to how everything must be in exact precision for you to be in perfect performance with all your neurons going and firing your muscles and being able to respond to that. There's a lot of programming and planning that goes into that because it's not just, um, you know, your training. You have to program your training that you're peaking for the right time. But you also have to coincide with sports med and make sure that you're handling all those things and that maybe you're supposed to be at this percentage this week, but in sports med they're telling you, well, your body's actually at this percentage. You probably shouldn't do this, that, or the other thing. And we'll be right back with more on Making Life Brighter Radio. We are inside the mind of Olympic athletes right here in Lake Placid, New York. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Join Making Life Brighter Radio to help create a free roam sanctuary for elephants in South America. Finally, there's a working solution for elephants on our planet. People often say they don't know what to do to help animals that are in danger. But now you can team up with Making Life Brighter Radio and your host, Winifred Adams, to give elephants from Brazil and Argentina the freedom to roam in a wild sanctuary in a remote area of Brazil. Free to socialize, heal, and live the life they were always meant to live. Your contribution will build the fences and the elephant care center for the massive free roam sanctuary and set these sacred animals free. Donate today and mention you heard it on Making Life Brighter Radio. Listen to the amazing series live from Brazil, where Winifred speaks to CEO and board president of the Global Sanctuary for Elephants. To donate and for more information, log on to globalelephants.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and you can find us on Facebook. And if you miss the show live, you can always catch the archive and definitely share it with a friend on the Making Life Brighter website on the radio tab, and you can catch all of our archives on the player there. So we are speaking with Savannah Graybill, and she is a skeleton runner. I said that again. Slider. She's a skeleton slider, and and she's invited me to come try this sometime this winter. Can you imagine? Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to that, actually. I, I may well do it, so I might take you up on that. And we are talking about what it takes to be great, what it takes 
inside the mind, inside the body of Olympic athletes, either in training and or near to the Olympic event itself. So tell us a little bit about your food choices, what you eat typically, and do you change what you eat when you get close to an event? What What's that like for you? What is your diet? So living here at the training center, I'm very fortunate that there is a cafeteria here um, that I can access from 7 a.m. to, I think, 8 p.m. Um, so it does make op- that planning very easy for me. I think the hardest part when it comes to diet and nutrition for sport is is the planning process and making sure that you have what you need when you need it because it's generally those times that you're hungry and you don't have anything that you make those poor decisions. Um but for me, it's making sure that I'm hitting the right calorie balance throughout the day. Um, you know, with, with training and, and everything like that, you need to make sure that you're fueling that training as well. Um, but our cafeteria here has awesome options, very healthy options, salad bar, proteins, um, veggies out at all times. So it makes that very easy for me. What's your balance of protein to veggies or excuse me, protein to carb? I generally go for more protein and veggie as I can. Um, I don't necessarily go low carb. I'm just careful if I didn't have a very active day or if I have a recovery day that I'm not going crazy with the carbs, um, that those are more reserved for the higher higher volume days. Um, can you supplement? Are you allowed to supplement? We are. There's just very strict rules about um, what you're taking and what you're putting into your body. So we get drug tested regular, regularly by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency and by the World Anti-Doping Agency when, when international. And um, they have a list of, you know, drugs and um and I say that, you know, acetaminophen is considered a drug, but they have lists of things that you can take and that you can't take when you can take them, whether it's in season or out of season, and the eight different names for said drug. Um, when it comes to supplements, they are very, I don't like to say leery, but it's its in the athlete's hands. So if you take something that accidentally has something else in it, well, I'm sorry you didn't know it was in there, but, but you've inadvertently doped you exactly and so you can run into that problem with you know pre-workouts with proteins with all sorts of stuff like that so generally here we'll supplement i'll take a pro i'll use a protein powder um or i supplement a lot of athletes will supplement vitamin d which is you know straight vitamin d you can't really stray from that just because a lot i think they they said about 50 percent of winter athletes are vitamin d deficient because you know we spend our time out in the snow. Um, so to make sure that that's at level, but I try and get everything that I can from food because then I know it's safe. And like I said, it doesn't matter whether you intentionally doped or not, you're in trouble for it. And I would never want to find myself. And I've worked way too hard to find myself in a situation because I took some supplement and I just, well, I'm sure it's safe and just took it. You know, I, you can't be ignorant. Do you drink coffee? do <laughs> I drink a lot of well, coffee will you drink coffee all the way up until you, you know the the actual event or do you stop at some point and hydrate more I mean what's, what's um hydrate is is the biggest one of the biggest things that you can do especially while traveling being up in a plane like that is I mean you dehydrate so quickly so I'm chugging as much water throughout the day as I can my, my issue with coffee is that I really like coffee like I like <laughs> the taste of coffee you know I don't put anything extra in it so that's where I get into trouble um during a race week, I'll try and just make, or once I'm in season, I try and monitor that as much as I can. Then it's a cup or two and an actual cup, not like mug the size of your face cup, because I like those too. Um, but, you know, a cup or two of coffee a day and, and cutting it at that. Um, 
just because it's, it's also a normal morning routine for me. Like I get up, I have some coffee with my breakfast and that's what makes me feel ready for the day. I have my coffee and I feel ready. So whether it's a placebo effect or it works actually works or not is one thing, <laughs> but um, you just monitor caffeine outside of that. So, you know, I don't drink soda. I don't drink things like that. that you don't eat chocolate and have ice cream. And Oh no, we have those things. We like treats, but we just make sure that it's not a treat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's, you know, a it treat. It sounds like you moderate everything. And I think as an athlete in training, as much as you are, you probably could do that technically. I mean, our problem with America is that we were gluttons and then we don't train enough. There is no moderation. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's like it. you go to the, the to place to eat now and you have a family of four on one plate meal instead of it being yeah. an individual or a portion. Now, do you moderate your portions when you eat or do you just eat till you feel satiated? Um, a little bit of both, just because I sometimes with our training, too, you just you feel hungry all the time, and you, you actually might be thirsty, not hungry. But you know, the easiest thing is to walk down to the cafeteria and grab a bite to eat. So I'll do a little bit of both, just so that I'm cognizant of what I'm putting into my body and how much I'm putting into my body. Um, I think the the satiated part, it's I've done that before, but it's hard when you come in from training and you're starving and you just shovel everything down in 20 minutes and th- there's your problem. You know, it, I'm satiated. Well, I'm, I feel sick about 30 minutes later yeah. by the time it hits your stomach. So I sometimes find the easiest way is to just, you know, grab a glass of water, drink that first and like know what's on my plate and then go from there. Because I think once you know that like, oh, this is actually what you're supposed to be having. But if you don't know, you're like, oh, this extra whatever won't kill me. And, you know, that's how... It kind of weighs you down yeah, afterward. Yeah, that's kind of how that happens. Too much load on the, mm-hmm. the insulin and the digestive system. Now, I have a question that I always ask everybody in these interviews, and it's really simple. Okay. But I want to know, what makes your life brighter? I think knowing that I have a dream, and I actually have the opportunity to pursue that dream. I can't tell you how many people I talk to um, that are inspired I guess by my story, and I don't mean that in a, um, I mean that in a more humbling way in the sense that like they see that I have had this opportunity and I get to hear their story about what they wanted to do or how they got to try or how, you know, life got in the way that they had these dreams and they didn't get to pursue it. And to know that they get to kind of live vicariously through me, it makes my day brighter knowing that I'm inspiring someone. And that's all I want is for the kids at home to know that like, at least go out and try, even if you fail, you, you took a step outside of the box and you tried. And that's all I really want at the end of the day is to know that I've inspired people to do that, to at least get up and try. So if you'd like Savannah to come and speak for you and inspire people around and you can contribute to her training, and, and you can do this by contacting her at... Any of my social media outlets, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me along on my blog as well at pushfromthetop.wordpress.com. So support an Olympic athlete in training, and you can have Savannah come and motivate people and have her speak for you. So what a wonderful way to do that. And she is very motivating, and I'm very, very excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming and spending time with us because it speaks to discipline. It speaks to the idea of what it is like being inside the mind of an Olympic athlete and you have you know four years in which to train for one event and along the way you have to keep making those markers you have to hit those those milestones along the way and to have that like what is the one thing that really speaks to you that makes this all come together and gel what is the one trait that you need in order to be an Olympic athlete 
I think as we touched on earlier, it's the mental aspect and just to know that you're, you're going to keep moving forward. Um, you have this plan, you, you work with that plan and you do all of the right things and just trusting in that process um, and knowing that your support staff is there to help you and then at the end of the day, you know, they'll love you either way. It's so wonderful. Thank you for coming and thank you for being with us. We wish you all the best and we'll be following along. I'll be back to see you skeleton down the mountain and I am so excited. I might even get a chance to skeleton down the mountain. Woo! Thank you everybody for listening. As always, go jolly and go make someone else's life brighter. We will be coming to you all year long from the Olympic Training Center here in Lake Placid, New York, featuring athletes along their journey. And this is just such a treat. I hope that you take away tidbits of each one of these and inspire yourself in your life to go better, brighter, and do something wonderful for someone else. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week on Making Life Brighter Radio. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly! Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.